microphone. There we go. I read a story about a group of elementary kids um, who went to uh, on a tour uh, of a hospital, and after they um, had taken their tour, uh, the nurse that was guiding them around uh, asked them, "said Does anybody uh, have any questions?" Uh, has anybody got anything they'd like to understand, like to know, uh, would like to ask about? One little kid raised his hand and said, how come they wash their hands so much? And the nurse says, well, there's two reasons. She says, for one, they love health. And for two, they hate germs. And they love health and they hate germs. I don't know if you ever thought about it. Uh, not always, but in many cases, um, love um, is balanced by hate. Um, if you, for example, if you love uh, freedom, you're going to hate communism. Um, if you love your wife, you're going to hate someone who tries to hurt your wife. Uh, not always, just because you love chocolate doesn't mean you hate vanilla, uh, but in many cases, uh, love is, uh, is kind of uh, balanced out uh, on the other side uh, by something that you don't love. Uh, if, you, uh, if you love your, uh, your husband, then uh, you don't love all the other men around. That's, you know, it kind of goes uh, in that way. Well, in 1 John chapter 2, uh, we have been directed to love God. Uh, we have, John has talked about that. We're talking about uh, the seven tests uh, of our testimony. And uh, one of them was, as he talked about, uh, that we love God. Now, uh, in uh, this passage, in chapter, uh, chapter 2 here, we're going to look, uh, and we see that uh, he's going to tell us uh, that we, if we love God, he says, then we hate the world. We hate the world. Uh, and again, we see that principle throughout the Bible. The Bible tells us uh, in the book of Psalms, you love uh, the Lord, hate evil. Uh, that's uh, the principle. You love one, uh, you hate uh, the other. Uh, Paul writes in the book of, um, of uh, Romans, uh, he says, Let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy. Uh, and he says, Or uh, that which is evil. You love uh, and, and do that which is good. So you, you hate evil. You love good. That is uh, the principle. Uh, John, in his gospel, reminds us uh, to exercise uh, the proper uh, kind of love. Uh, and uh, in, uh, again, in First John chapter two, uh, in verses uh, starting in verse seven, uh, again talks to us about uh, loving correctly and loving God. Uh, and now he's going to tell us that there is a wrong uh, kind of love, and that is uh, loving uh, the things that God hates. Uh, loving the things uh, that God hates, and that's what the Bible calls the world. Uh, loving the world. Uh, so the fourth, test, the fourth test that we have here is have we forsaken uh, the world? Have we left behind the world 
uh, and its system. Look with me, uh, if you will, beginning in uh, verse 15, uh, where John says this. He says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Uh, and so we have a directive uh, to begin with. He uh, gives us uh, these instructions uh, of what is, uh, what is expected of us uh, as believers. Love not the world or the things that are in the world. And so the challenge, the, the first thing we have to do uh, if we're going to uh, understand that passage is really, uh, there's a couple words there. Uh, that we need to uh, we need to take apart uh, and understand. He says uh, to love not the world. What does he mean uh, by not loving the world? Well, uh, it's curious when you look in Scripture, uh, the, the word world is actually used uh, at least uh, three different ways, but three uh, main ways uh, for sure. One of them uh, is talking about the physical world. And the, the word we'd probably use most likely uh, today uh, would be earth. Love not uh, or, or the, the, the world uh, as in the earth, the, uh, the physical world. And for example, uh, we see that uh, in the book of Acts when he says God made the world. Uh, and so he's talking about one of the ways that word is used uh, is again the physical uh, earth. Another way that uh, the word world shows up uh, many times in the New Testament is talking about you and I. Uh, when it says, for God so loved the world, wasn't talking about the dirt, the earth. He was talking about the people uh, on the earth. And sometimes uh, those two ideas even show up uh, in, the same, uh, in the same verse. It says, uh, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world, uh, talking about mankind, knew him not. He was in the world, he was on the earth, but the world, mankind, knew him not. So sometimes we even have them show up in the same, uh, same place. Uh, but none of those, I, I think you look at them, and it's obvious uh, by the context, that's not what uh, God is talking about here. He's not telling us to hate the, the dirt, uh, you know, to hate the globe, to hate the earth. Uh, he's not telling us to hate mankind. We know that that contradicts the rest of Scripture. So what is uh, he talking about uh, when he tells us not to love uh, this world, when he tells us uh, that we are... Uh, not to love this world. He's talking about, uh, again, a system. He's talking about uh, the world's uh, system and uh, the world, uh, the, the enemy uh, of God. It, it is an uh, ungodly spiritual system. It is an ungodly uh, way of living. It is uh, the, world that, the, the world that God is talking about here, uh, that John is telling us not to love, is the world system that is opposed uh, to God and, and all uh, that is godly. It is Satan's system. Uh, it is Satan's method uh, for opposing uh, the work of Jesus Christ uh, on earth. I think all of us are aware uh, that we live uh, in a world uh, where there are two uh, opposing forces. Uh, we typically uh, would call them 
good and evil would be the general, just the, the, the very broadest of terms uh, that we would use to describe uh, the two systems uh, that are at work. The system of good, the system of evil, the system of God, uh, the system uh, uh, of Satan. It is, again, the very opposite uh, of anything that is godly, the very opposite of anything that is holy, the very opposite of anything that is spiritual. That is what John is telling us here, that we are to be opposed, we are to hate any, uh, anything uh, that is in uh, that system, that organized uh, evil system uh, that opposes uh, anything uh, of God, that is under uh, the authority of Satan, all the teachings. All the ideas, all the culture, uh, and that may be the biggest uh, battle that we face in, in our world today, is not to fall in love with the culture uh, that we're in. Uh, one of the ways that, uh, just real simple, uh, that we hear that love of culture uh, is when we hear people say, well, everybody else is doing it. Yeah, uh, that, that's that love of a culture uh, that we have uh, in our society today, uh, in our world. It's the attitudes uh, of this world. It is uh, the activities of this world. All those things that are opposed to God, he says we are to hate those things. He says we are to come against those things. It is a, uh, a, an attention to the natural world uh, over the spiritual world uh, is what John uh, is talking about. And again, there's, there's all kinds of ways uh, to really describe it. Um, and it's really hard, uh, again, honestly, uh, to really uh, to summarize it and to get it uh, in, uh, in a sense. But if I was going to put it in one simple sentence, it is anything in this world that is opposing Jesus Christ. Anything that opposes Jesus Christ. Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. And so that's what he's talking about. A person, he says, is not to love this world. Not to love the possessions and the pleasures uh, of this world. And, and we see that. Uh, again, I think more today uh, than we ever have. We see that uh, in, in the church. We see that in, in those who profess uh, Jesus Christ and in, in the decisions that they make. Uh, they decide uh, we live in a world where uh, many times even those who profess uh, to be Christian uh, choose the pleasures of this world over the things of God. They'll, they'll choose uh, the system of this world over the things of God. I mean, listen, let's just, uh, you know, and, and I am not against lakes and boats and fishing. Yeah, I like all of them. But how many people today, uh, I'm not against skiing, can't do it. But, you know, uh, even though i got big feet, I don't even need skis, and I still can't do it. Not that coordinated. Uh, don't have that kind of, y'all saw, you're here Wednesday night, so I can't even hardly walk up the steps, let alone ski. Uh, you know, listen, uh, not my skill set. But how many people today chose ballparks, lakes, boats, those things, who profess to be believers, but chose the things of the world over 
God's house. Uh, you know, we, we, and, and, and what John is saying to us, one of the tests of our testimony is whether or not we reject the things of the world and pursue the things of God. That, that's the directive that, that he's given us here. And, and again, uh, it's not saying we don't appreciate and, and, and enjoy and love the beauty of this world. Listen, I, I, I'm like you. I have seen sunsets. I've seen sunrises. I, I've seen you know the mountains, the beach. I have, you know, I have looked at the North Pole out of the window of a plane. Amazing. Got some pictures of it. Just I never did see Santa Claus. Yeah, it, amazing. This world is beautiful. There are some beautiful things in this world. There are some beautiful things here. But when we become more attached to the things of this world than to the things of God, that's what John's talking about. John's saying that we have become more attached. What are some of the signs of someone who is more attached Someone who is loving the world and its system over the things of God. And I found something that I found, part of what I found about this that was really interesting was it was written back in the early 1800s. To to hear somebody from the early 1800s say some of these things, it sounds like you wrote them yesterday. A pastor by the name of David Tappan wrote this list about here, well actually it was part of a sermon uh, that he preached back again in the early 1800s. And he said, here's what it was. He says, first, when the world or any object in it so engrosses our thought to the degree that it excludes serious reflection on the things of God, we are guilty of loving this world. Let's analyze that statement. What's he saying? When anything in this world intrudes on our reflection and our concentration on the things of God, we are guilty of loving this world. Now, again, I'm not opposed to television. Got several of them. I had a young man I went to high school with who got saved and come to my house years ago and gave me a lecture about the TV. And I told him, I said, let me explain something to you. The same God that gave me the TV gave me a remote control. And I can turn it off or I can change the channel. And if you can't do that, then maybe you should get rid of your TV, but mine's going to stay here. I like watching Andy Griffith. Okay? But when watching TV, just an example, when we'd rather watch, rather watch television than study the Word of God or pray. When the things of this world encroach on our reflection on the things of God. He says, when the world is our constant associate, the last companion of our thoughts at night, and the first when we wake in the morning, we are loving the world. Think about that for a moment. What's the last thing you think about at night? What's the first thing you think about in the morning? Second, when the things of the world engross most or all of our 
conversation. We are loving the world. What is the majority of your conversation about? Third, if we're unwilling to part with it when need be, or give it or anything in it up to God's purposes, we are loving the world. When we're not willing to turn loose of it for the glory and the kingdom of God, we are loving the world. Now, this is not an offering tithing sermon. I, I thank God for th this church and the faithfulness to give, but let me just use that as an example. When we refuse to give to God what he has commanded us to give, we are loving the world. Fourth, th this one stings. This is the one that really sounds like 2022 instead of 1812. Discontentment with our portion of the world's goods proclaims a criminal love for it. If we secretly grieve because we are not blessed with every earthly convenience or delight that others possess, we are loving the world. When we look around us and we say, why can't I have what they have? And it grieves us. Loving the world. When we look around and we are grieved because someone else is able to get a new car, a new house, and we don't have one. We're loving the things of this world more than we're loving God. Why is that? Think about that for a minute. What does that say? That says we're loving the creation more than the Creator because we want that thing more than we want God. He says we are loving. goes on. He says, when fifth, when we pursue it with greater zeal and enjoy it with higher relish than we do serving God and enjoying His favor, we are loving the world. What is the high point of your week? What is the high point of your day? What, are the, what, what is the best part of your life? Is it your time spent with God? Is it your time spent with God's people? Is it your time spent in prayer? Is it your time spent in God's Word? Is it your time spent at the ballpark or the pool or the beach or the mountains or wherever else? What is, the, what, what is it that is most... And where do you find your greatest joy, he says? Six, if we pride ourselves in earthly distractions, if we expect great deference and resent the least contradiction or slight from others, we're loving the world. Seventh, when we seek to acquire or retain its objects in a wrong manner or by unwarrantable means, we are loving the world. When we pursue the things of this world in a wrong way, when we try to take them, steal them, go, you know, don't do our job to get them, all those things. Listen, if you're married, you remember the day you proposed? You remember that day? You declared by, at that point, you said, and I, I, I'm going to address this one way. I'm going to speak to the men. You, the day you proposed, do you remember that day? You said to her, I love you and I want you to uh, be my wife and we'll spend the rest of our life together. And she looked at you and she said, sure. I'll be glad to marry you. 
I'll live with you, I'll walk with you, but I need you to know I love somebody else. That'd probably put a little damper, damper on the leg, wouldn't it? Probably kind of made a mess of the honeymoon. Sure, I'll marry you. I'll live with you. But I love somebody else. You've got to allow me. You, you, you need to know that I'm going to continue uh, to, to see. I'm going to continue to go out with my other love. If that was the case, fellas, how many of you would still be single today? Seriously? Y'all, was that hard up to get married? Thank you, Kenny. <laughs> Isn't that basically what many people who profess Christ have said to God? I love you. I want you to save me. I want to come to heaven one day. But you need to know, I love somebody else. I need, you need to know, I'm going to serve you, I'll go to church, I'll read my Bible, I'll do some of those things, but you need to know, I love the world. You can't love the world and love God at the same time. That's the directive. Now look at the deception. Here's the problem. Satan has deceived us. Look what he says in verse 15. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Some things are simply incompatible. There's some things you just can't mix. They just don't go together. You know, you know, I, I, I'm not a fashion guru, but I kind of know you're not supposed to wear stripes and checks at the same time. You know, there's certain things that just makes sense. Yeah, y'all all know that rule too. Okay, yeah. There, there's certain things that just don't go together. You know, you can't whistle and keep your lips together. <laughs> there's certain things that just, they just don't work that way. You can't do that. And... He says that, that it's impossible. You cannot love God and love the world at the same time. Augustine, the great philosopher, great writer, says to love the world and not God would be like the woman who loves the ring that her lover has given her but doesn't care anything for the man who gave it to her. We're fooling ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. It ought to be obvious to us just how wrong that is. How it just, it just doesn't go together. To try to love God and love a world that we know beyond any shadow of a doubt is opposed to God at every turn. Everything, uh, and, you know, there was a time where, where they, I think they tried to kind of keep it undercover. But there is no, 
no covering up anymore the world's hatred for the things of God. If you were on that sidewalk yesterday, and you were standing there minding your business, trying to pray, and heard some of the vile, wicked things that were said by those who were there, you know that this world has no shame in their hatred for the things of God. Debbie mentioned one of the things that I offered to take one for the team. I'd like to tell y'all how kind and generous and good I am. But I offered to take one for the team. I told him I'd pick the biggest one over there. And I'd go up and smack him right in the mouth. Because, you know, if you pop the biggest one, the little ones will flee. Now, somebody had to come. I was pretty confident somebody would come bail me out. Because Tommy and Larry and Jeff rode with me and I had the keys. So I'm pretty sure they'd have come got me. Yeah. But here was the height of their hatred. Debbie mentioned that little girl again, the mother who came out uh, out of the abortion clinic decided to have her child. And the, and the little girl was there yesterday. You know, her, her fourth birthday is today. And after the girl shared her testimony, they came back up and said the little girl wanted to sing. And they brought her back up on the stage. And how many of you know what a baboozle is? Best I can tell, it's the horn of a moron. Yeah, that's, I don't, it, it, it's just a long plastic thing. They blow it. And you can't play a song on it. You can't, you know. Tommy was trying to sing with him and couldn't, you know. He, you know I, I, I was going to get one of them to come play with Tommy today when he, when he sang. And, you know, there, there's no tune to it. You know, there's no, you know, there's nothing to it. But this little four-year-old girl comes up and she wants to sing. And there's three or four of them clowns standing over on a hillside with them stupid horns. One of them got a cowbell ringing and one of them got a whistle he keeps blowing. And this little four-year-old girl is just trying to sing a little song. Now listen. It's one thing if they blow their horns when I pray, because I can't half hear anyway. And I figure my God can hear over the horn. But to blow your stinking horn when a little four-year-old girl is trying to sing about Jesus, you hate God. This world has no shame in its game. They hate God. And everything about God. The number one type of law, there are conferences being held in the United States. How to sue the church and win. They hate God and everything about it. It is completely inconsistent. It is completely unimaginable. For us to have any compassion, desire, whatever, for the world, not for the people, but for the world system. Any attraction whatsoever. Listen, we are, we're just not, human beings are not made in such a way to love like that. You just can't do it. it, it we're not made that way. Listen, 
it, it, it is a fundamental truth that to obey one, you have to disobey the other. It's just that you cannot obey both. You cannot serve two masters. It's impossible. If a man has two women, he's got to obey one and disobey the other. I mean, it's just, you can't, it just doesn't work that way. Man is not created that way. We're fooling ourselves, John says. We're deceiving ourselves. We have become idolaters. We are worshiping the creation more than the creator. So what is the option? Look at the devotion that is desired. Verse 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Here is the reason. He says we don't love the world system. Because the world system might very well be gone tomorrow. It might not make it to lunchtime today. Them clowns blowing them horns over there, there might be a real Trump blast any minute now, and the eastern sky split and we out of here, and the world system is temporary. That's why we don't follow it. That's why he says the world system, he says he that does the will of God abides forever. The world system has a built-in design flaw. I remember years ago, this is going to make some of you real happy, especially if you bought a new car recently. I had an uncle who was the fleet manager for National Car Rental in Atlanta. Dealt with, you can imagine the amount of rental cars coming through Atlanta, Georgia at the airport. Dealt with thousands. And I remember standing there one day, and I heard him tell my daddy this. He said, the new car today, and this would have been probably 40 years ago. He said, new cars today are built to last two years before they start giving trouble. This world is built to fail. Only what we do for God. That's why he says, lay up silver. Lay it up where the moth doesn't corrupt it what we do for this world. What we do in this world, he says, this world will pass. If an investor was to come to you and say, I've got a magnificent investment. You'll invest your money with me for the next two years, you're going to make 25% interest. But at the end of two years, it's going to go bust and you're going to lose everything. <laughs> You'd think that man's crazy, wouldn't you? You'd think he had lost his ever-loving mind. That's exactly what it means to pursue the things of this world over the things of God. You're pursuing a system that I don't know. It may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be 20 years from now. But one day, it's going to go bankrupt. One day, it's going to go bust. 
One day there's going to be two gathering in the field. And one's going to be taken and one's going to be left. One day there's going to be two laying in the bed and one's going to be taken and one's going to be left. This world system is going to be judged and it's going to be cast into an eternal lake of fire. Serve God. Seek God. He says those are the things that last. Those are the things that continue. Charles Dutton, some of you may know, have heard the name. He was a great character actor. What a lot of people don't know about Dutton is before he became a famous actor, he spent seven years in prison for manslaughter. And after he got out, uh, well, while he was there, he, he started studying and practicing and got interested in drama and doing plays and those kind of things. When he got out, he started getting some small parts and acting in various places. And finally, uh, he got a starring role in a, in, a, in a thing on Broadway called The Piano Player. And from there, became famous with the television, with the movies, um, became just extremely uh, well-known and popular. After he got successful, somebody asked him this question in the interview. He said, how did you make this unbelievable transition through from, from your prison years to Broadway? And Dutton looked at him and he says, unlike all my other cellmates and everyone else who was there, he said, I never decorated myself. He said, I never decorated myself because I wanted to be reminded every day that this place was not my home. That this place was not my home. Too many Christians are decorating their sale. And they need to be reminded this is not their home. This is not our home. This is not our home. This world system is not our home. This culture, the things of this world, be very careful about decorating yourself. One day God is going to call. And the curtain's going to come down on this act. And only what we've done for God will last. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Tommy mentioned a moment ago praying for revival. Let me tell you how revival will come. When the church of Jesus Christ becomes more concerned and more attuned to the things of God than to the things of this world. I want to invite you this morning to come and kneel. Lord, show me anything in my life. 
Show me any wicked way. Show me any area where I'm putting the world before you, where I'm putting anything before you. Because I know that only those things that, that are done for you will last. You're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. You're putting your hope in good things. You're putting your hope, your hope of heaven, in being a good person, in giving to the offering plate, of being in church. The only way, the Bible says, is through Jesus Christ. Whether you're here in the room, whether you're online, you need to know Christ today. If you're here, would you come? If you're online, would you call, send an email, reach out? I'd love to sit down and talk to you and tell you how you can be saved. But church, we need to ask ourselves, have we left behind the things of this world for the things of God? It's a test. It's a test. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray today that you would stir our hearts. God, here in this church, God, we would begin to see a move of your spirit as your people. Those that are called by your name, those who profess Christ, would set their eyes, set their focus, set their heart on you. Leaving behind the things of this world, the loves of this world, this culture, this society that hates you and opposes you at every time. God, I pray, Lord, that you draw us to you. You should have your will here this morning. God, if there's one that doesn't know Christ, God, if you speak to their heart, clearly and plainly, they'd be un unable to avoid the conviction of the Holy Spirit today. And we'll give you the honor for it all, which is Jesus' lovely name I pray. Amen. As we stand together.
don't like to discriminate around here. I don't say the men, but uh, ladies, we don't discriminate. Um, we'll take your assistance too. Uh, hopefully, the plan right now is next Monday night. I'm going to need a good many men with some trucks and trailers. Um, we have been, we're, we're grateful for these chairs, uh, but they don't match, and they've seen better days. Uh, we have been blessed with 225 that match um, and appear to be in much better shape. And hopefully the goal is, that if you look around the church, we probably have 17 different styles of chairs, depending on which door you open, uh, to be able to uh, have some uniformity uh, across the buildings. And um, then uh, the plan is, once we get all that figured out, we're going to figure out what chairs we've got and what other chairs that we want to get rid of. Uh, and some church plants for somebody that needs some chairs. We're going to bless them as we have been blessed um, and clean out some rooms. Uh, we have chairs stuck everywhere. Um, you can't sit down for the chairs uh, in some of our rooms. We have, uh, we have a load of chairs of different kinds. Um, and so, um, guys, if you just kind of pen pencil that on your calendar, next Monday night, in particular if you have a truck and or trailer, um, and uh, we will try to make plans to go get those. That's tomorrow? No, next Monday. The next Monday. Next Monday. August 1. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, although the, the big kicker, obviously, um, was going to pick them up last week, and then they, it was raining every evening. Uh, and so if it's raining, that kind of uh, puts a, a damper on being able to pick them up. Uh, and so um, just kind of pencil that on your calendar uh, for that Monday evening. Um, and um, I said, then we're going to, the goal is to figure out, get our chairs straightened out, get some of these rooms cleared out, um, and then to move forward um, and get um, hopefully uh, a nursery and some children's room set up out here once we get where we can actually get in uh, some of these rooms. Uh, but, what time Monday night? Uh, I don't know. The guy I'm getting them from is on vacation. Okay. So uh, I will tell you that next Sunday. Um, probably 6, 6.30 would be my guess. Um, but again, um, all depends on the weather and uh, whether it's storming next Monday evening can't transport them in the rain. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, just put that pencil that in. Uh, uh, it's not Monday night, Tuesday night. It's not <laughs> Sometime next week we need to get these chairs out of their way uh, and in our way. Uh, and then we'll sort out the rest of them. All right? Uh, so that gives you a heads up there. All right. Thank you for your attention this morning. Uh, let's bow as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for uh, allowing us to be here today. Uh, God, for giving us an uh, opportunity to sing and testify and to study your word together. And Lord, just uh, pray that as we leave here, God, that you'll uh, just um, take your word and burn it into our hearts. And we'll give you glory for it all. It's in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.